0: Well, hey, good morning. I found it. You tried to hide it from me, John, but I, I found it. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I'm glad to be here and uh, and getting to uh, share today um, on this last uh, week of Joseph. And so, if you're in house, thank you for being here today. There's some up top I see for joining us online. Thank you for being here as well and joining us. And uh, so we are uh, traveling through different characters in the Bible, right? Different, uh, different people and their lives in the Bible, right? Are you with me so far? Okay. We are in Joseph week chapter, or week three today. And um, week one, does anybody remember what we talked about? yeah 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 we did we did talk about Joseph. I remember that much too. Uh, for those who aren't facetious this morning and trying to uh no uh, uh do you remember what we talked about about joseph specifically about his family right okay <laughs> We talked about his family and about how um you know about how god uses people even with messed up families and even those people who are imperfect do you know why he uses imperfect people cuz that's the only kind there is buddy that's it you and me i if nobody's ever told you this before you are imperfect I hate to be the one to break the news to you, but I am too, in many ways. And so that's who he has to use, people from messed up families who are imperfect in, in different ways, but that's what he uses uh, because that's what he has. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about, um, does anybody remember? Don't say Joseph. <laughs> last week, we talked a little bit about um, Joseph and his brothers, right? Um, and, and they came to him in their need because there was a famine and Joseph uh, rather than seeking revenge on them, what does he do? He forgives. forgives. He forgives and uh, and he even brought them a step further and he brought them to live with him in Egypt right with all of their, all the great things available to them uh, that they had stored up for those years of famine. And so uh, instead, of, instead of revenge, he forgives, which is an amazing, amazing thing. So, uh, and, and then he makes the statement, uh, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, right? What you meant for harm, God meant for good, which is an important piece. So we've covered the background uh, and the family, which I would call the period of promise, uh, you know, God's promise about what was to come to, in those dreams with Joseph. Uh, we've covered the final result uh, of forgiveness in the story and Joseph's leadership as well, which I would call the period of power because he, had, he was second in command over all of Egypt, so he had power, uh, and, and so that's seeing the promise fulfilled. But this week, we're, going, we're taking a little bit of a step back, and we're going to look at the middle section of Joseph's life. Uh, which contains, uh, if you've read it and you're familiar with it, it contains much persevering, right? There's a lot of perseverance in the middle part of his story uh, because there's a lot of suffering and difficulties and hardships that come his way. Uh, what, this is the period that I would call the period of perplexity, because so much happens to him in this time. It's a very difficult time where he had not yet seen those promises fulfilled. And so here he is walking out life, and it was a very difficult time. And I would just say, as humans, we don't like to hear about suffering and hardships and difficulties, amen? amen. That's probably uh, why Pastor Dave sent me here to talk about it today. No, uh, just kidding, because he's talking about it too in, in Carlton. So, Uh, We don't like to hear about those things. We don't like to really um, acknowledge that our lives are going to have hardships and suffering and different things like that. And yet, as people, we understand that suffering and difficulties are inevitable, they are inevitable in the totality of our lives, right? We're not always on mountaintops and we're not always in valleys, thank God, right? But we have it all, it's all a part of our life, right? We, it's all part of the experience of life uh, and we can't escape it, it's inevitable. Now, anybody, ever, anybody here ever watch PBS? Two, <laughs> three, <laughs> four, five, okay. Uh, PBS used to have a show on there called The Joy of Painting. Do you remember it? Had a man named Bob Ross, right, who was the, the, you know, the guy who would do these incredible paintings. Now, I've watched my fair share of these throughout the years, okay? I think even you can stream them somewhere and see all of his episodes of his painting and stuff. Um. But one thing that Bob Ross loved to do was to give us all a heart attack and uh, and make a you know a bold change midway or even more than midway sometimes uh, in his paintings. Right? He he would he was halfway through and you'd see you know you'd see the back uh, mountain and and the valley below and all the trees and bushes and stuff and this river that would go through it and stuff and. About halfway through or better, he would be like, he'd be painting and then he'd be like, take a step back, you know, you know, get it ready. And he'd go, let's get a little crazy. You remember him? You remember he'd say that? And, and when he'd say that, you're like, no, Bob, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to give me a heart attack, Bob, don't do it. And so, you know, he'd get all ready and then he'd take this. I lo- had to look up what it was. It's called a knife. It's a painter's knife. It's that little putty looking thing. Yeah. What is it? A palette knife, thank you very much. We have a painter in here. And so the palette knife he would take and he'd just go right down the middle of his painting, you know, and just carve this big long line in it. And you're like, oh, Bob, why did you do that? You know, you're just, and so anyway, he would, he'd cut right down through the middle of it and you'd be like, he ain't gonna finish this one, you know. And then pretty soon, uh, you know, he'd get his little paints Lizard and crimson, or whatever it was that he used. And then he'd, he'd put it on there and he'd just pull it down. he put it on there, he'd pull it down, you know, do his little techniques and, and be like, okay, you know. And then pretty soon, you know, five, 10 minutes later, it's like gold, you know. You're like, it looks like the rest of the painting was supposed to be with that, right? And so he always worked his magic and these bold changes in the middle or you know, even sometimes further than the middle of it, they, were, they looked like they were meant to be the centerpiece of the painting all along. You ever? Are you with me here? Yeah. That guy was amazing with that. And so I kind of see Joseph's life like this as I was thinking about it. You know, his life uh, is like a series of bold hardships scratched uh, into the canvas of his life, only to see it all come together as a finished work exactly as it needed to turn out, right? That's the way his life was like. And so I wonder if we can take something away from that as well, right? From hardships that come along in our lives too. Joseph, we can look to him, and he's a great example of a man who trusted God and persevered in the difficult circumstances of life, in the, scra- the bold scratches of life, right? Now, he never got to read what Jeremiah wrote to the exiled Jews in Babylon, right? In Jeremiah 29, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will Prosper too, right? That's what Jeremiah wrote. Well, you know, that never Joseph never got to read that, and Joseph never got to see what Peter wrote uh, in his in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it talks about submitting to the for the Lord's sake to the authorities, and that by doing this it silences the ignorant talk of foolish men, to show proper respect for everyone, he writes, to fear God to love the family of believers and to honor the king, all things that Peter wrote to these exiled Jews. Well, he never read those things. Joseph never got to read those things uh, or those instructions that were written. But frankly, he, in many ways, lived out those same principles, right? We see him living out those same principles and putting them into practice in his own life, even when circumstances looked bad for him, even when they were unfavorable and difficult, and what we see is that he sought the betterment of whatever place and situation that he was in. You know, I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you've done this before in life. You know, when I remember early on in ministry, uh, there were some places that I went that uh, I was looking for a way out. I was looking for a quick way out. I was discontent with where I was at. Frankly, you know, comparing it to other places and other people, and I've been to some pretty small towns in ministry, and uh, and so, you know, oftentimes that caused me to look somewhere else and say, man, if I was there, that would be better. If I was in this, it would be better, and so I would always be looking to something else uh, early on in, in ministry, I remember, and, uh, and, and that's kind of, it, it it made me discontent with where I was at and the people that I was serving in ministry. Well, <clears throat> there's a great American singer and songwriter from the 1980s, and his name's Brett Michaels, and he penned, the, some of you know who that is. He penned the lyrics to his band's first song on their first album. Came out in 1986, I was about 11-ish, 12 maybe. Uh, and those words were this. Sometimes a rainbow, baby, is better than a pot of gold. You know, when I was 11, I had no idea what that meant, and it didn't matter to me. I just like rock music, right? That's what I grew up listening to. And, uh, and here's, what I, here's what came to my mind. Sometimes those lyrics will come to my mind, and I'll think about them. And here's what really opened up to me as I was thinking about this, that Um, what I was looking at in those times when I would go on churchstaffing.com and look around, you know, look around the country, see what was going on, uh, that was a quick way out. I was looking for a quick way out. But let me just tell you, a quick way out would have been no good for me. It would not have been any good for me because what I really needed was the difficulty of staying the course and weathering the storm To come out the other side to see the rainbow, right? And so quick pots of gold, they're of far less value to us than rainbows that we find after weathering difficult circumstances. Maybe you've been in a circumstance that you wanted out of quickly, but I can tell you, it's not as good for you as walking through and seeing yourself through. Like God's gonna see you through that difficult time. The things that you will learn, the way that you will grow ultimately is of far more value than immediately getting what you want. Maybe you've been there too. Anybody? So Paul makes it pretty clear in his letter to the Philippians that he found contentment in every circumstance because in Christ he had the strength to do all the things that he was called to do. And in every circumstance, he found a reason to rejoice, and he also found a purpose in the midst of that circumstance. And Joseph seems to do the same thing as we read through his life. And what we see is that the Lord's blessing was on him, and it was evident in his life no matter what difficulties or suffering came. So again, suffering is inevitable, Difficulties are inevitable. And in fact, they're more than inevitable. They're part of the deal, right? They're part of the deal. And they should not be viewed in the Christian's life as a mystery. Why am I suffering? Why am I going through difficulties? Right, that's the question that we all tend to think about. But it's the wrong question. Question. It's the wrong thing to be thinking in the times of difficulties in our lives. Rather, it should be viewed as a ministry and a privilege that we have in Christ. You don't believe me? Let's read Philippians 1, 27 through 29. Paul writes to the Philippian believers, and he says, "'Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, "'conducting yourselves as the, uh, in a manner worthy "'of the good news about, the, about Christ.'" Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past. You know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul and the Philippian believers were in this struggle together to suffer due to their faith, because of their faith. And I would contend that we still live with this privilege, with this ministry today as a believer. Why? Well, because Jesus himself stated that the world hates, if if it hates you, it's because it hated me first, is what he says in John 15, 18. In fact, in Philippians 1 that we just read, Paul writes that the fact that they are suffering really is a sign to all that their faith is authentic. So beware if your faith doesn't cost you anything because scriptures are clear that it will cost those who follow Jesus. I know that's not what we wanna hear all the time, but it's a fact, and it's real. In First Peter, we see Peter writing to an exiled, to all of the exiled Christians who were scattered uh, and suffering in Asia Minor. And he writes in 1 Peter 4, and, uh, and he says, in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, and verse 19, he says this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials uh, make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all of the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. (laughs) For then, the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you, and verse 19, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. What a great scripture. So then, believers, times of trials and suffering, difficulties and persecution will come. And with it uh, will come a testing of perseverance for all of us as well, for believers as well. And so, in other words, here's what I would say about it. Suffer well. Go through difficulties well. Don't, you know, don't think it's a mystery and worry about the trials. Like, we should know that we're gonna walk through those things, that they're going to come. It's a part of our lives. So do it well. Joseph suffered these difficulties well. And in his suffering and afflictions, God caused him to be fruitful. Have you ever noticed that about this, his story, his life? So God did not remove him from these difficult situations, but made him fruitful in them, in his suffering. And we need to know that today as well. Joseph, so number one, I have a few things, three things we'll talk about. Joseph became fruitful through rejection. And that's in Genesis chapter 37. And I'm not gonna read through all of that because we would be here all day, okay? And I'm okay with being here all day, but I don't know if you are, so... Joseph became fruitful through rejection. Pastor Dave kind of talked about this last week, right? Last week he chatted about this. Joseph was dropped into a cistern, a large water tank by his older brothers. They rejected him big time. They rejected him and it says that they hated him, right? Scriptures say that they hated him. And so uh, let me just ask you, anybody in here have siblings? Anybody? Are you a, a youngest sibling, anybody? oldest sibling, middle of the road. That's me, too. So, you know, who's the worst siblings? Oh, who's the worst siblings? Look, I'm going to make a statement about who the worst sibling is today, okay? Usually it's the youngest one, okay? So if you're the youngest in here and you tattled on your siblings all the time, like, you're the worst, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as the middle, I could say it would be either side, you know, but, because I'm just in the middle. But, uh, but you know, the youngest ones probably uh, have the most to say about the other siblings. That's just a fact. The oldest one, he doesn't care about nothing, right? He's just like, I'm doing my thing. You guys shut up, you know. He's just out of here. I had an oldest brother. And, and so the middle ones are just like, everybody get along, you know, what's the problem? Anyway, so the youngest usually tattle on everybody else, but... They hated, the rest of the brothers hated Joseph for many reasons, but one of them is that he was his father's favorite, right? And so one day, his father Jacob sent him to follow his brothers to see what they were up to, where they were, and he said, hey, check them out, you know, report back to me what's going on. This is a problem, right? So you can put a lot of this on Jacob uh, rather than just Joseph, right? But uh, so he goes up there, and, and in, in the same scripture, what we see is that he goes up to check on him, they see he's coming, and then what happens? Hey, how do we kill him, <laughs> right? Like, hey, here comes Joseph, let's kill him. Like, what in the world? How do you jump to that so quickly? But they rejected him, and Joseph suffered because of their hatred towards him. And in their hatred, they sold him off, and being, in being sold off, Joseph became a slave, uh, no longer with any rights of his own. He went from a father's favorite with favored standing to a slave in Egypt with no standing at all. And yet somehow, even in the midst of all of this rejection uh, toward him uh, and becoming a slave, uh, by God's providential plan, Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house, right? The captain, captain of Pharaoh's guard. And Joseph wasn't there trying to make his dreams come true, right? He wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna go make my dreams come true. I'm gonna press for these these dreams that I had. I'm gonna make them happen. He wasn't that. In fact, God was just doing it through these these difficult circumstances that were in his life. God was fulfilling this promise that he had made to him, but it wasn't probably what Joseph was thinking it was gonna be like, right? So his brothers may have tried to end him, But that wasn't gonna happen as long as God had a plan and a future. And Joseph was an important part of that plan and future. And so nobody, nobody can thwart God's plan. If he has a plan in mind, it's going to happen and nobody is going to be able to thwart that plan. So we need to know that today and not worry quite as much as maybe we do sometimes uh, about things. I know sometimes I have to bring myself back from the ledge, anybody else, you know? So let's be careful. And I wonder how often we are in unfavorable circumstances and, and things we see around us. And rather than choosing to serve well and just to be in it, we decide that we want to get out of it or go half hearted at it. You know, let's not be people who do that, but stay in it and serve God faithfully in it. Because God can make us fruitful even when we've been rejected. Amen. And if you're here today and you felt rejection from other people, let me just say, first and foremost, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you felt that. And probably every one of us in this room at one point or another have felt rejection and it hurt. But keep serving God wholeheartedly in all you do because at the end of the day, our lives are about serving him and him alone, amen? Amen. Number two, Joseph became fruitful through vilification. Genesis chapter 39, through vilification. Now, if you're familiar with the story here, Joseph was in Potiphar's house. You know what's coming, right? You know what's coming. Joseph was so trustworthy in his service that he was placed in charge of the entire household and had served now for quite some time in Potiphar's house. Now, here's what scriptures say about, uh, about Joseph. He was handsome and well-built, all right? That's what it says about him, Genesis 39.6 tells us that. And he soon drew the attention of Potiphar's wife, and she looked upon him lustfully, the scriptures tell us, right? And so, as she makes the move uh, on him to come and sleep with her, he refuses, and she continues to pressure him day after day, is what the Bible tells us in that. Finally, one day, she comes and she grabs a hold of him, and as he flees from there, his cloak is left in her hand, right? Well, she had to come up with a plan, right? And that plan was to vilify Joseph by making, him, making a reverse claim about what actually happened that day. So for the second time in a row, now Joseph lost his, uh, lost his cloak, and as one Puritan preacher uh, preached, he says, Joseph lost his cloak, but he kept his character. That's an important thing. So as a result, Potiphar was furious. In fact, that's the word that he uses. He was furious at Joseph over this vilification of him. It's untrue, but, uh, but he was furious and he threw him into prison. And so here was Joseph falsely accused of a terrible thing and it's incredible how fast lies get spread. Have you ever noticed that? In fact, there's an old quote that says, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's a fact. Man, it's so true. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you spread around. Let's be people who are cautious and careful about what we choose to uh, listen to and then spread around to other people. Because the tongue, James says, is like a fire that can set a whole forest ablaze. So... It's how lives get ruined and people get vilified, often falsely. So again, Joseph was in prison, right? Going from the favorite son to the favorite slave to the favorite overseer to what we will see him next as the favorite prisoner, right? So lastly, he became fruitful through abandonment. Genesis 39, uh, the last portion of it. He became fruitful through abandonment. So here he is in prison. He's abandoned by the high-ranking official that he had served for several years now faithfully and done a great job, but here he is abandoned now. And maybe you know what it's like to be abandoned or left behind by someone who said they would be there for you. Maybe a parent who left when you were young. Maybe a spouse who walked away when the going got tough. Let me just say, people will abandon us at times but God goes with us and shows his faithfulness to us all. Genesis 39, 21 tells us that the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. That's in the NLT. I love that part. God, the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. Listen, sometimes people will abandon. Sometimes people will leave. Sometimes people will reject. But God does not. So soon Joseph was placed in charge of all of the other prisoners and everything that happened in there, uh, he had great favor with the prison warden or whoever his job was called then, right? So he had great favor with him. The Lord continues making all the difference in Joseph's life as Joseph keeps persevering in whatever comes his way. Right? Ultimately, Joseph is in prison for a while. He's seemingly forgotten. He's learning to wait again. That seems to be, you know, Joseph's life. Something happens, you wait, right? You wait it out, you trust God in it. Could it be that sometimes we encounter hard times in life because God is building us from the inside out? Could it just be that, that He's building us from the inside out, right? Not a quick out but he's building something in us, character, maybe to grow for what is ahead that uh, we have to wait for in the here and now. And maybe that feels like we're abandoned sometimes, but it's not, he's growing something inside of us. So something for us to consider. Joseph probably would have preferred getting out quickly, I I would imagine, right, like most of us, Uh, but the pathway ahead you know, this was important for what was ahead for Joseph. And so he made the most of his current condition, right? He made the most of every uh, specific place that he was in. He just did it for God, and God grew and made him fruitful in it. So, you know, have you ever seen Joseph, King of Dreams? Maybe the the DreamWorks uh, cartoon, uh, whatever it is. Have Anybody ever seen that? Right, he's in there, he's, he's, uh, he's in prison and he, and, he, and he grows a tree and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a great reminder that in the midst of these times, right, who knows? The song that Joseph sings in that is, you know better than I, right? And God knows better than we do what we need for what's ahead. It might be difficult, but he does know what we need for what's ahead, Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying, the Lord was with Joseph nonetheless when he was cast into prison. He knew God was with him in prison, and therefore he did not sit down sullenly in his sorrow, but he bestirred himself to make the best of his afflicted condition. Joseph would go on ultimately to interpret two other dreams of prisoners, and then ultimately he would also interpret Pharaoh's dream that came, right? Uh, And so nobody else could do so, but Joseph did. And all of this while on the outside looking like a forgotten man. All of these years were years of God fulfilling his plan to save the Israelite people, that they might have a hope and a future ahead, and that's exactly what happened. And let me just say God's plan is much greater than you or I merely as individuals. His plan, you know, I I say this often, but it's, does he care about our lives? Yes, but he's also accomplishing a plan that is generations beyond us, not just me or my kids, but multiple generations beyond. And we've seen that all throughout the Bible, you see God caring about generations. And His plan is for generations, not just for me and my comfort in life. Amen? So waiting's hard. Anybody know that? Waiting is hard. Let me tell you, I do bird photography. I try. And Sometimes the waiting just gets to you. <laughs> You're sitting there looking at a bald eagle. And let me just tell you, bald eagles can sit for a long time, buddy. A long time. And you know, taking pictures like move, dude. Like fly away, you know. So every now and then I'll be sitting there, I'll just start yelling, <laughs> like, like fly, you know, get out of here. I'm tired of sitting here. And so waiting is difficult. Waiting is hard. It takes time, life takes time, and God's plans will be fulfilled if we wait well. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a powerful Welsh minister for 30 years at the Westminster Chapel in London made this statement. He said, it's tragic when a person succeeds before he is ready for it. Joseph's story took time, but it was in that time that he learned and he allowed God to do the things that he needed to do in his timing. And so let's be people who understand what it is to have patience in what God's doing, to count it joy when we face trials and difficulties so that we can grow in our patience and be more complete as a follower of Jesus for whatever may lie ahead. Will you pray with me? Father, today we do indeed want to be people who lean on you, who trust you, who are not just looking to get out of things in life, Lord, that you know not face any hardships or not face difficult circumstances, but that we would be people who would say yes to walking through whatever it is we need to walk through so that you can grow us in ways that we can be fruitful from, God, this is my prayer for each and every one of us in this room, that all of us would say yes to doing that very thing, God. We are grateful that you are a God who loves us and cares about our lives, Lord, and that's why even when things are tough, you don't just abandon us and leave us, but you walk with us through it and you see us through these hardships, Lord, and we're grateful. We couldn't do it without you, in fact, and so... Lord, grow us, give us uh, patience and endurance, Lord, that we would persevere uh, through this life as we saw Joseph and we see in his life. What a great example for us to be able to follow. So we say thank you, God. God, today, if there be anybody in here who's far from you, who's, needs to, uh, who's been walking life on their own or doing it on their own, but but far from you, God, who has not surrendered to you and your lordship, Lord. If you're speaking to somebody today and drawing hearts to yourself, God, we pray today that you would uh, speak your truth. God, speak the truth uh, of your word through your Holy Spirit. God, that anybody be far from you, they would repent of sin and turn to you and say yes to your lordship, to the lordship of Jesus Christ in life and to start that relationship today. And so, Lord, that's our prayer every week. You'd bring people who are far from you close to you. Bring them into relationship with you, God. Lives changed and transformed for your glory. And so, Lord, thank you again for today. You guide us and lead us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, hey, we have uh, Serve the City coming up, right? We talked about that uh, beforehand. Two weeks away. Serve the City is two weeks away. Sign up today. Go out to the, uh, into the lobby at the Connect Desk. Uh, or you can also sign up online, uh, but we would ask that you do sign up. You don't just say, "Well, I'm going to be there and just show up." We we need to kind of know how many people are going to be there. So if that's you, please sign up today. Don't forget to go check out. Even if you don't have little kids, you know, don't forget to go check out the Life Kids store that's opening today. It's really an amazing job, and Janine has done a great job of gathering like people's gifts, right, and and putting it all together, right? So Janine didn't, like, get the hammer out and make these things and, you know, and, and use a laser cutter or whatever. She didn't do those things, but what she did do is brought people together to make that happen, and that is really amazing, because that's kind of what the church is, right? Like, what are, what are your gifts, what can you do, and, and how can you serve and use it? And, and so she put it all together and created this amazing room back there. So please, go check it out, even if you don't have kids. Uh, you know, there's candy in there, too. I don't know if you can redeem it, but you know, anyway, it's back there. And, uh, and so she's really doing a great job with that. Go check that out today. The prayer wall is going to be open following service. So if you need prayer for anything, go over, receive that prayer, connect with somebody who's eager to pray with you. And until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you abundantly. We're thankful you're part of the family. God bless you. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.